0: Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome into the Scotty Johnny podcast. I am your not-so-humble host, Jonathan Barnett, and I am not joined by Aaron this week. Uh, Aaron is uh, elsewhere this week, so you'll be getting a a John Solo version of this podcast. Um, Yeah, so it'll be an exciting time here. We don't have any of the usual fun banter up here, but the best thing to say is welcome back to everybody. Uh, Welcome into what is now officially... Season four of the Scunny Johnny podcast, we start our season uh, essentially at the beginning of the preseason for the Packers because this is, for all counts and purposes, a Packer-centric podcast. As it talks about Wisconsin sports, the center of all Wisconsin sports is still the Green Bay Packers with everything else kind of behind it. As they, they do say, uh, Wisconsin is a, is a drinking state with a football problem. So uh, <laughs> we're going to get into Green Bay Packers, obviously, right away. Uh, once we can start getting into Badger stuff a bit more, we'll get into all of that. But uh, great week this week in Wisconsin sports. Great to get back to football. Uh, great to start seeing uh, the Brewers again and continue to have great success. But we'll, um, again, thank you for joining us. And I'd like to tell you that, of course, you can follow this podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us. It's at Pod. You can also follow me personally at not so humble host I tell it to you right off the beginning of the show every week it should be easy enough to find out by now uh, also Aaron if you want to follow Aaron you can follow him at cheddar talk uh, that's an easy one to remember too it's at cheddar talk cheddar like the cheese and talk like what you do with your mouth as Aaron so uh so eloquently describes week in and week out when he is here with us hopefully we'll have him back next week I believe he's just gone for the one week for um, some military training he's doing But anyhow, let's get right into it. Let's start talking, uh, start talking Wisconsin sports. We'll start off with Green Bay Packers in what we like to call our main event. Starting things off with the main event. All right. So for the main event, like I said, we've got Green Bay Packers. I mean, it's preseason. So that's the first thing we want to say is we're going to throw this all out there. And the idea that first off, this is preseason. I had to explain this to several Bears fans on Twitter this week. I mean, they were very stoked about the idea that the Packers lost a preseason game in a game where the Packers didn't start their top running back. Um, even AJ Dillon only had one rush, um, in terms of running backs, we did not start Aaron Rodgers. Um, we didn't start, um, Randall Cobb. We didn't start Devontae uh, Adams just yeah, I mean, so it's, it's just kind of a nothing game in terms of that. But the one good thing is uh, we did get to see what a lot of the guys that we have here what they're going to look like, um, and we'll go through some of this. Let's start with the people who really, really did not do themselves any favors this week. Uh, first is Joshua Jackson, who definitely got picked on early and often. Um, Tyrod Taylor went right after him. Davis Mills also went after him. Um, he, he's just he's just too handsy, and I'll be the first to say I was so excited when they got Joshua Jackson where they got him. You can go back and play that. That's that's just a couple of years ago when we started talking about that and how excited we were for that idea. Uh, we talked about getting into the draft and going forward there. We thought maybe end of the first round. And then we got him later than that. So we were very excited for him. We thought for the value there it was going to be great. Um, he is just falling further and further behind. He's a... Uh, He's not going to pass up uh, the, the rookie Stokes. He's not going to pass up, obviously, Jair. It doesn't seem like he's able to get past Kevin King, who is also unavailable, generally speaking. Uh, so, you know, Josh Jackson got a lot of luck this week and just didn't turn it into anything. He just didn't look like he was anything other than the guy who can grab onto people and hold on. Um, his ball skills just have not been able to show through in the way they did at Iowa. He was definitely a guy who could find the ball. Um, he's been just handsy and not quite as quick as what he looked like, uh, when you're watching him in college, I guess. So that's a, uh, that's a disappointing look there in what we had, uh, other than that, the, the, uh, those who did start on the offensive line, Runyon looked all right. I mean, we're still good with Runyon. He still seems to be all right. It was nice to see Josh Meyer out there on that starting line. He looked good. Um, but, uh, Nijman, Uh, he, he did not look like he had it. It was kind of. It was a rough game around the tackles in, in both regard. Uh, just because the, the strip sack fumble that happened, that, that was a quick play. That came fast off that edge. Uh, and if you want to talk about what Jordan loved in that play, and we'll talk about more of him later, obviously. But he is trying to climb that pocket. Maybe he should have climbed a little bit more, um, but maybe he just doesn't expect his line to give up that quickly around the edge. He just got... just just. Beaten around that edge, um, just like he was walking past him. So that was, that was definitely hard to see some of that. But I'll say this: now that we start moving into some of the things that we did enjoy about this game, things that went well, um, he uh, Jordan Love definitely looked comfortable in that pocket. I mean, it wasn't always a clean pocket; it wasn't always a good pocket. He never looked beat. He never looked lost. Um, yeah, there's the one play where you say, "Well, he's got the arm confidence." Where he, he did throw to double coverage. It's not a great read. But he thinks he can make that throw, and when Aaron Rodgers makes that throw, you don't say, wow, that was a dumb read, but he pulled it off. You say, wow, that was incredible. And in all fairness, I guess if you look at it, Amari Rodgers kind of short arms and doesn't quite get his hands to that ball, and he could have caught it. I mean, that would have been a rough catch. He's got a lot of wash going on around him and a guy coming up from behind. That would have been a really great catch if he would have gotten that. But it was a good throw. The the, the the spot on that ball was where it could not be picked, and it was only going to be Amari or nobody. Um, again, let's let's not overstate how great this was, okay? Let's not say that that uh, we just saw our you know fourth Hall of Fame cor- quarterback because you know I guess our fifth. Um, I mean, so there's there's Herbert, there's Favre and Star already in our fourth will be Rodgers. Let's not say that we're going to get our third in a row, our fifth overall by just having this guy. Jordan Love looked nice. He, he, I mean, he ends up with a 110.4 rating. I mean, that's really nice. Um, if he could do that in a regular season game, because, again, these aren't regular season games. They don't matter. But he completes 70% of his passes. I believe 70.5%. He's 12 of 17 for 122 yards. Uh, one touchdown, no picks. Uh, he had the one fumble. That's absolutely not on him. Uh, just absolutely not. Um, but the, the comparisons already with the... Preseason Bears fans who are out in force and fantastically out in force. Uh, we're saying, you know, Justin Fields is already a Hall of Famer, um, and you can't like it's ridiculous to compare him. I was like, well, Jordan Love was playing against ones, um, which Justin Fields was not. Justin Fields did not start that game, but he played into the third quarter, whereas Jordan Love was done at the end of the second quarter. It was just done. He was not playing third teamers. Um, and if you look at it as a pro or as a per stat basis. Uh, Jordan Love threw less passes, so he had less total yards passing, but he had more yards per attempt. Um, Yeah, he had one touchdown. He didn't have any rushing touchdowns, which you know, whatever. He had a higher rating. Uh, He had a better completion percentage than Justin Fields, and he was playing against ones and twos as opposed to threes and fours, or twos and threes, I guess, whatever. So, I mean, the big thing, though, is that neither of those things means anything. Not really. All it means is you've got a guy who's competent enough that he can learn a system and play it. Now, the big things to remember are... They don't really do the blitzes that much. Like defensive coordinators, they will blitz. They will definitely blitz in these games, but they're not they're not really putting you forward their their hidden packages. They're not disguising their coverages in any way cuz they don't want to put it on film just yet. Even though you know what it is really, but they don't want to put it out there at this time cuz they want to evaluate how their players are doing in a in a head-up type of scenario. They're evaluating more than they are winning. So that that's the big thing. It's like you didn't see a disguise coverage. when it looked like cover two, it was a cover two. when it it looked like they were bringing the middle linebacker, that's definitely what was happening. Um, uh, there was nothing there. So when even when like Justin Fields, for whatever reason he decides to put this out there into the ether, says, you know, asked if the game is slowing down for him, he says, actually it was really slow out there. You're like, no, Justin, this was a practice, man. like <laughs> you gotta you gotta settle yourself down. You can't be talking like you just did something. All right, and I'll I'll say this too, and I think Aaron would be fully on board with agreeing with me on this. Um, Justin Fields hasn't done anything. All right, so we don't know what he is, but what that also means is you can't say he's garbage. All right, we can't say he's terrible. We have no idea what Justin Fields is or will be. He could be good. He's definitely got the tools. It'll just depend on kind of what goes on from this point on. But the evidence we have so far is Jordan Love and Justin Fields can both play very competent. Preseason games. Now, if we cared about winning preseason championships, that would be awesome. But we'll see what happens as it comes up later. Uh, the big problem is, of course, that Jordan Love got hurt in this game. I hurt his shoulder on that play where he was, um, where he the strip sack occurred. He hurt his shoulder. Sounds like he will miss some time uh, in in camp this week. I don't know that we know if he's going to miss any actual like preseason games, but he's not going to be playing uh, at least in the early part of this week and we'll see. The the good thing is at least there's no structural damage. But again, there there will be some time he's going to miss here, but the the good thing if you're looking at this as a Packers fan, the best part is he looks confident. He looks he looks like he understands what is going on in the offense. He's making good reads. The throws are mostly there. There was just that one play where he very definitely farved it by, you know, I mean, he went you can tell everybody is moving off to the offense's left. He's supposed to turn, step with his left foot, come out, and get that handoff fake. Okay, you know, coming off, turning backwards and to his left. He steps with his right foot back, turns, and shows the ball like he's faking the handoff, but there's nobody there. And normally you'd have a nice rounded turn then back towards uh, your right-hand side with that left step, come around, and then you would turn, open up. And, you know, you've got your left shoulder pointing, you're looking down the field, You're moving in the direction you would rather be if you're rolling out. And, of course, that's also where the backside uh, H-back is rolling out to that side of the field. Tight end comes across to that side of the field, and then Funches goes deep. But because of where he stops, because he rolls the wrong way, he has to stop way in deep. Um, It actually ruins the angles on his throws. He has two guys open, but he can't get to them because he's set so far back and off to the left-hand side as opposed to rolling towards his right. that it, it ruins all the place. And then he just wings it to the deepest guy he can see on the field, which, I mean, if he's watching Roger's film, that's what you do when something's not going right. It's just wing it to the deepest route, I guess. But, you know, it, it almost worked, is the, the, the scary part of that, is that almost worked as well. But um, we only get one hand on it by Devin Funches, who, hey, everybody, welcome to Devin Funches, and welcome to the show, uh, Devin Funchess. Um, everybody had him cut, like, three weeks ago, Everybody was like, well, we brought in uh, Cobb, and there's no way Funches makes this team. I mean, you've got Cobb, you've got Devontae, you've got Amari, you've got Malik Taylor, Devin Funches, yeah, MVS, who also didn't play in this game. And then you got to start saying, man, you're getting deeper than that. You start talking about uh, Beggleton, who's not making this team again, and uh, Malik... <sighs> Malik looked pretty good, I thought, out there. They used him kind of sparingly, uh, let him catch the ball short, uh, let him catch the ball, you know, quick throws. Just get it out, get him, and let him do something. Uh, he had a couple little plays here. Nothing spectacular, but he did all the little things right and uh and looked pretty good doing it. But yeah, uh the more that you don't see St. Brown on the field, the more I'm convinced he's one of the guys who's gone. Uh Begleton had three cat, ke- no, I'm sorry. Beckleton had one 14-yard catch. Was a good throw. It was a very good read. That was um that was one of the throws by Bankert. Who, by the way, Bankert also looked pretty decent. I thought through most of the game. He had good, strong throws. Good stride. Uh, threw well downfield. Uh, he didn't get. I mean, he's playing a little lesser pass rush, a little lesser defense. He he looked okay. He's eight of 12 for 88 yards. He has a 53.5 rating. Uh, part of that's he throws the pick. Biggest thing for, for rating is touchdowns are great and interceptions really hurt. So he did throw the one pick. uh, That that definitely hurt there. So, But generally speaking, he looks all right. It'll be interesting to see because it has been generally in their team building looking to kind of have that third quarterback be somebody who is practice squad type thing. I don't know what they'll do or if they'll just try to keep him on their regular roster. Anyhow. Um, back to Devin Funches, because that's that's where I was really starting with this. But Devin Funches, six catches, seventy yards. He had one that he should have caught that he dropped, but he had he had that one he almost caught one handed on that deep throw where you know Love completely misread the play and went the wrong way and screwed everything up. But he also had one where uh, Love led him a little too far because uh, he Love had fairly good ball placement for the most part, but he had one to Funches that was way out in front and, and Funches had to kind of lean over his his uh, his knees. And one hand it and then roll to the ground. And it was very, very good catch. He was definitely, uh, he looked like he has a good, firm uh, command of the system. He did well along the sideline, he did well on the in routes. Um, he's a big body and he caught well. Uh, so, man, find a way to cut him. I don't know how you do it at this point. I mean, there's there's several games left and I'm not seeing all the practices, but it, he looked solid. Uh, Coach LaFour had a lot of good things to say about him after the game. So, you feel really good about his chances here. This running back uh, room is also going to be getting uh, pretty thin pretty quick because you know you know Dylan and Jones are going to be there, uh, and then you see I start talking about like um, Kylan Hill uh, looked good. Uh, he had a he had the touchdown on the pass, which was a screen pass that he read very well and got a good block from uh, Myers as well. But yeah, he's um, he's looked solid there. He didn't have a good line in front of him, so he, his rushing numbers didn't look good. But he had some good cutting, some good movement there. Be interested to see him play behind ones. Uh, that would be nice to see too. But yeah, he he did all right. This uh, Dexter Williams, I guess he he looked better than you'd hope. Know, then Patrick Taylor was just out there, kind of at the end of the game, trying to get some stuff. But I don't know if they're going anywhere beyond Kylan. I mean, Dexter Williams has had several years to try to show that he really belongs on this team, and I don't know that he's really presented as much as you'd think he could. So it's. Um, it's going to be interesting if Dexter Williams comes in somewhere getting one of those special teams type positions on this team. But I don't know. My guess is he's not. He, well, we got more to see. But right now, I'm not putting money on it if I'm looking at him right now. Because Kylan Hill, I think they, they really like him. And they starting him up at the front there. He definitely showed um, just a lot of good cutting, good vision. Just there weren't as many holes there today. So that's just how that went. In terms of the defense, hey, man. I've never held back on the fact that uh, Oren Burks is a guy I've been rooting for for years. Um, I was very happy when they drafted him out of Wake. I thought his tool set, his skill set um, was great for what we can do with somebody who would be a very athletic inside the backer. Um, he, he played outside backer before. He played inside backer. He played safety when he got to Wake. He's got great speed. He's got um, great agility. He played really well yesterday. He held edges. He moved. Um, he If he could have, I guess, re- read and reacted a little faster, I would have been happier. Uh, he, he did well in finding the ball and making tackles near the line of scrimmage. His blitzing looked great. Um, he had the only sack in the game. Uh, he had another play where he, he did get right up the middle uh, very, very quickly and uh, ended up making some good defensive plays. He had two different tackles for loss. Uh, he had another quarterback hit, which was called a penalty, which was not. It was it was a terrible call. He got he got there. Well, I'll walk that back slightly. Not a terrible call, but it's the wrong call. He didn't hit him in the head, but or the shoulder. He hit him in the chest. I guess the thing to say is it's it's the NFL. You can't come anywhere near a quarterback's head. If you're going to hit him, you got to do that thing where you don't come and land on him. You got to make sure you're coming at the quarterback, wrap him up, and roll through him. Okay, like roll to the side kind of look. You go know, put your shoulder into him and then fall to the ground and just pull him with you. You can't see me, but I'm trying to, to show you. Obviously, it's just not going to work, but that's, you know, it's just that feel that you get. You know, get him, wrap high, and then, you know, pull and roll as you go through so that you land and pull him with you rather than that uh adult traditional lie, you know, run through him and drive him down. Kind of the, uh, the Anthony Barr, we would call that now, I guess, just you know, try to keep from landing straight on him and hitting him towards that chest. You know, that's just, it's not going to, it's going to be called, I guess. It's not going to be allowed. It's one of those things that's going to get called. Oren Burks though, for getting the chance to start today, um, we got to see mostly, uh, I think Harris and uh, and Burks out there to start the game. And then uh, Ty Summers came out there towards the end. But yeah, Burks, when he was out there, he was moving the ball well. He played well at the line of scrimmage. His coverage was pretty good. I mean, not like incredible because they mostly had him in kind of zones towards the middle watching uh, late releasing backs and such. He did all right on that. Nobody threw at him. So it's hard to say what else would have happened had the ball gotten into the air on him. But he he looked pretty good. Uh, One of the other guys I thought looked fantastic, Vernon Scott. Just uh, he looked fantastic. He was cutting through defense or cutting through the offense. He was making big plays at the line of scrimmage. He had a couple big hits. Um couple good passes defensed it looked like. Um I mean they only counted one of them as an official pass defensed. but um he he was he was all over the field. And he's not gonna be one of those guys who's probably gonna get just that you know immediate starting time. But it's nice to have depth at safety because depth at safety disappears fast and it's also I mean, if you don't have it, you just I mean you got nothing. So those were uh some of the good ones there. Um Shamar, uh, Jean Charles, uh, got a chance out there. He's one of those guys who's going to be interesting. Uh, he's the small school guy. Uh, he's out of app state or everything. He's the guy who had great ball skills. His passes defense was very high. Uh, he had a good job at seeing and playing on the ball, uh, coming out of college. He got to one a little early, uh, this last game that got a penalty. It was a penalty. It was the right call. He just, he got there a little early. Um, but other than that, he had a couple plays there where he, he got in and disrupted the play. Uh, he'll be an interesting one to watch. I was watching a lot when um, the other draft pick, TJ Slayton, the, the big guy, 330 they say, and I think they're lying. I think I think he's bigger. A uh, guy out of Florida. They played him at nose because Kenny Clark, again, didn't play because we didn't play almost any starters. Uh, but, yeah, he played that nose position and did pretty well. He showed up in a lot of plays. He got pushed back a couple times. I mean, you get spoiled watching Kenny Clark just even when he doesn't make the play. They're double-teaming him, but he doesn't move. T.J. Slayton got pushed back a couple times. That kind of thing happens. You just got to you know not set your expectation th- uh, that he will be you know Kenny Clark. You have to expect, set your expectations at a level where you say, T.J. Slayton is a guy who can grow and learn but he's got to show me he can play here. I mean, they're obviously keeping him on the team. He was high enough picked that they're not going to get rid of him, but looked good. 3 solo tackles, 5 total tackles, definitely involved in the game uh, all around when he was on the field. Looked very, very good. I felt good about this game in general. Okay? So, I mean, like the the big things are it looked it looked good. They looked like they knew what they were doing. Uh, this looked like a confident team. They didn't play basically any starters, any of their actual starters. Their offensive line was basically all sitting except for Myers. Uh, started Jordan Love, but he was also throwing to Funchess and Malik Taylor and Jay Sternberger, who actually did look very good here too, I'd say, for that. Um, and it's not a good team they were playing, but you know they didn't play any of their starters. And again, the final just doesn't matter. It was more that I saw a lot of players doing what I expected. I feel like Josh Jackson is talking himself out of a job um, pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know where we fit some of these other receivers that, you know, seem like decent guys so just, they're not like Begleton, man. Malik Taylor is going to have to fight to get into those spots. Some of these guys are going to be interesting here. Um, Devin Funches just definitely made sure that the conversation at wide receivers can be interesting. You know, Taylor gets 50 yards on five catches on five targets it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this going forward and continuing watching this team grow. See if some of these guys can have the same types of games coming up here. So that'll be, that'll be definitely what we're looking at next here. So coming up for next for the Packers then will be the New York Jets out playing. I think, no, this week they're, they're going to be in Lambeau again and uh, get the Jets at home. And we'll see what goes on here right now. What are they listing here? Jordan Love is questionable. Is so Derry Smith, still questionable. If looking at this full injury report is kind of a kind of a uh, just a list of who who is a Green Bay Packer. Oh yeah, there they are. Well, no, they got Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, DeGuara, uh, all listed questionable on the official injury roster. But we'll see what they do this week. My guess is that Rogers will get more playing time. Just just because you know he he didn't get a full camp because he didn't want to show up for the OTAs and things like that it's nice to get Jordan Love that time Let Rodgers kind of slide himself into it i would like to see Rodgers get actual passing attempts we've gone over those numbers before but when Rodgers throws less than like was it like 25 pass attempts in a preseason he, it actually means his first four games of the regular season dip way down in terms of his you know yards per attempt and his quarterback rating and his uh, completion percentages all those things dip when he doesn't get a significant amount of actual playing time in the preseason because he does still need to warm up. He's an older guy. He doesn't need a lot, but he does need to get himself ready. He needs to get that timing, uh, especially getting into these offenses here. So that'll be important to see. So it'll be an interesting time too if we see, I mean, we're hoping Jordan Love is back and ready for this, but Jordan Love versus the, uh, the young guy for, for the, uh, the Jets this year, it could be, a uh, could be an interesting game to watch in terms of just looking at what the future of these teams are going to look like. So this will be another good one to watch. we get a chance to see more about these teams. I understand a lot of people don't like watching preseason football because it doesn't count. And you're like, oh, they don't play the starters all the way through. But, you know, football geeks like Aaron and I, uh, the preseason is still massively interesting to us. Because it's not just entertaining. It's seeing who is there. How did guys improve from last year? Uh, What is the back of the roster going to look like? How do we see what Jordan Love does? Because if you guys don't remember Aaron Rodgers, his very first uh, training camp, he did not look good. He didn't look good at all. Uh, His his preseason numbers were terrible that year. And, in fact, uh, the second year, I believe he only had the one game over a 100 rating. Uh, So Jordan Love's already had one. We'll see if he can keep kind of some of these things going. And that was Aaron Rodgers playing only against backups because he didn't start any of those games because uh Favre was there so yeah it'll be uh it'll be interesting seeing kind of how this goes we're not saying again that jordan love is going to be aaron Rodgers or that he's going to be great even but he's shown us he might be all right um it'll be interesting to see how this goes uh there'll be a lot of young players on this jets team because they they rebuild every two or three years it seems now at this point so we'll see what they do here they got a young interesting receiving core elijah moore Interesting guy we saw there, Zach Wilson, as well. It's going to be a good group. Well, and Moore's injured, but I mean, like, we'll see what they look like here. It'll be an interesting game to see what this looks like here. So next week, Jets uh, at Lambeau Field should be a good fun one to watch here on the uh, 21st. All right, so moving out of that, we'll move into a little bit of just, I guess, whatever we can find in terms of Badgers talk. Badgers continue to go through their preseason training camps, getting ready for Getting ready for the season to start. Their opener will be September 4th, so that's coming up in a couple weeks yet. We don't have any you know, actual game stuff until September 4th, but that'll be uh, the Badgers, who now open up as the 12th-ranked team in the AP poll, and they will be playing the 20th-ranked Nittany Lions. So that'll be interesting to see. It's, it's, a, it's a home game, so that'll be, that, that'll be a big one. I think they did a look at Badgers. Um, ESPN ran the probabilities each game they you know just using the 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 factors that they use in terms of rating teams they ran the probabilities the badgers based on that are favored in i believe every single game they will play this year now that doesn't mean they will win all of them because there are about four of them that are considered to be very tightly contested games and if all four of those go the other way it's a four loss team you're dealing with here but they're favored. Well, let me double check because I think the, the the Notre Dame game they might not be favored in, but I believe they were favored in all or or all but one. So it, it's a good team. Bringing back a lot of guys, they're getting a full camp this year, which they didn't get last year. And if they can avoid all the issues they had with all the COVID protocol stuff that happened to this team last year, that really derailed all of their uh, all of their their prep. Uh, all of their their motivation, everything that they were doing, they had they lost every bit of their confidence coming out of that that COVID break. So it'll be interesting to see how they come through this. Graham Mertz looking pretty decent. The defense, of course, looking phenomenal again. So he's getting to play against fantastic, fantastic defenses every week. So he's going to see what real football looks like and what it's it's going to look like when he's playing Big Ten ball. It's it's interesting to get a chance to start off a Badger season so so high up on uh, on the roster here. I mean, like, starting with a conference game on September 4th is pretty intense, it's especially a big one like that, Penn State. I mean, cross-divisional. It's not one of the uh, Western Division foes because they won't play any of those till October, but they will play Penn State. Then they'll get the Eastern Michigan Eagles, who they'd better beat. Um, then they'll get Notre Dame, uh, and then they'll get Michigan at home. Those are, I think, they're they're all listed as home games, but the Notre Dame game is technically at Soldier Field, which is way closer to Notre Dame than it is to uh, with my uh, Madison, Michigan coming to Wisconsin on October second. That'll be a fun game. It'll be an interesting game. Um, Michigan's still not a that's not a pushover team. It'll be an interesting one to watch. They will play at Illinois. Uh, you know they're coming through with new coaching staff as well. Um, and then the Army Black Knights coming into town on October sixteenth. That's an interesting game. That's going to be. A weird test. I mean, that's not really the type of thing that Army likes to... Like, their their system is based on taking advantages of your highly athletic but less disciplined defense. But the Badgers have a highly disciplined, highly athletic defense. It's maybe not as athletic as somebody like Alabama, obviously. But the Badger defense is very disciplined. So I think that one is actually like... The Black Knights sneak up on a lot of people. I don't think it's going to work as well at Wisconsin. But yeah, then the Badgers will finish up the year... Basically running through the West, um, plus Rutgers. This could be a very interesting year for, for the Badgers football team. They got a lot of guys coming back, like we said. It's gonna be a very interesting, it's gonna be a good defense. Offensive line lost a couple guys, but they're still very good. Uh they're still gonna have a very good running game. And Graham Mertz hopefully just I mean, has the consistency that um that weird year last year didn't allow him to have. Let's give him a trophy that'd be harder to break this year. That would be something fun to see. All right. So with all that then uh, that's about all I can get you in terms of Badgers. So I'm gonna move on and we're gonna start we'll, we'll, you know right into the the Brewers here all right because it's uh, it's not the easiest transition I guess, but especially without Aaron here to talk to but uh, moving into the Brewers talking about this this Milwaukee team, it's been a fantastic week. The only real letdown is that they didn't sweep the the Pirates on the road you know um, they, they had a great uh, run here where they they got to play the, uh, four games. I mean, this, this could have been a very rough one after that Giants set that we talked about last week where they, they lost two out of three at home to the Giants, which came after, you know, taking two out of three from the Braves and then sweeping the Pirates. You get three at home with the Giants and you lose two out of three. It's a rough series loss. It's the best record in baseball right now. And these are the two best records in baseball. Still, the two best records in baseball, Brewers and Giants. You know, the MLB headquarters is just their heads are exploding right now, seeing that, you know, it's the Brewers and the Giants and the Tampa Bay Rays leading all these divisions. I mean, if we could just get Minnesota to start playing for real, then then we could really, really go after here, I think. But, you know, seeing San Francisco ahead of the Dodgers, Tampa Bay ahead of Boston and New York. Right now, the New York Yankees sitting on the outside looking in. Yeah, they'll be happy with the White Sox. But, you know, Atlanta, San Francisco, and Milwaukee out of the uh, the NL at this point. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Uh, the Cubs with uh, saw the the way of describing it um, give props to my wife's cousin Stephen uh, Jewell for giving me the uh, quad A. They're not a triple A team. The Cubs are a quad A team because they are I guess technically a major league roster, but they are they, they don't have any of that pop they used to have. Brewers had a good close one in the first game. Uh, after they had to have a doubleheader there on the 10th, they get the 4-2 win, then the 6-3 win, then a 10 nothing win, and then the 17-4 win. Just to get you ready for football, the Brewers drop uh, two touchdowns and a field goal on a hated Bears-themed Chicago team. Yeah. <laughs> so Bears still suck. Cubs still suck. Brewers take four straight at Wrigley. Brewers are up 13-3 in the Cubs' uh, season series right now, uh, and have outscored them was it um 106 to I think 40 no 53 I believe that's that's an intense amount of of outscoring for one team on your roster I mean they've the Brewers have had I believe f- uh four games now where they've scored double digits against the Cubs the Cubs did it to the Brewers twice they got a 12 and a 15 game one. A 15 run game, pardon me. But yeah, uh, the Brewers have done it four times. The Brewers have never been shut up by the Cubs this year and have shut out the Cubs two or three times. So yeah, it's it's been an utter domination of the Cubs. So if anyone who wants to say like, well, you just beat a bad Cubs team. The Brewers had a winning record against the Cubs before this started. You know, 13 and three against the Cubs now. Take away these four, nine and three. The Brewers were beating up on the Cubs all year long and they just continue to do so. It's just it's just far more obvious now. They still got a couple left here. I think they got three games coming up in September with the Cubs. The biggest thing for the rest of the year is going to be the Cardinals. They're going to be playing a lot of games against the Cardinals. I think they said something like 13 left or something like that. They got a three game set coming up here with the Cardinals this week. Uh, that'll be the last time they play the Cardinals this month. Look at the Nationals, who are without now um, the best hitter on that team and their best pitcher. Then they'll get their last series against the Reds coming up. That'll be interesting to see. And then the Giants to end the month and begin the month of September. The Brewers are is at 25 now, over 500. Uh, this is incredible. They are on pace to meet or exceed the team record for wins. That's just the pace. I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to continue on that same route. But 96 is the... Is the Brewers' current you know best season ninety six wins and if you take the uh, six oh five they have right now and if you expand that over a course of a full season that's ninety eight wins ninety eight point oh one but ninety eight wins because you can't win a tenth of a game or lose a ninth of a game but either or nine tenths of a game pardon me but I mean like it's that that's a great pace if they can keep that if this team this might be one of the best teams we've ever watched the Brewers put together uh, I mean this lineup now has been phenomenal especially if you look at how they've been continuing to grow Roddy Telez. I'm, I'm looking last 30 days last 30 days with this team Roddy Telez is batting 364 uh his on base is 434 he is his OPS is 1.116 he's over 1000 on his OPS uh Ava Sail Garcia is batting 325 he's got a 983 OPS uh uh, Willie uh, Adamas batting 280, we've got Luis Urias batting 266, Tyrone Taylor 271, Narvaez 291, um, Lorenzo Kane batting 321, the, and 303 for Jace Peterson. I mean, Yelich has not come all the way back around yet. He had a couple good games uh, here against the Pirates, and hopefully that can kind of start catapulting him. The early excuse was we were not getting good hitting around him. Uh, We have fixed that by adding Telez, Adamas, and Eduardo Escobar, and getting Lorenzo Cain back healthy and Colton Wong back healthy, knock on wood. But the big problem with Yelich early was he said there's not guys around him. They don't have to pitch to him. It's harder for him to get to the ball because nobody's afraid of anybody around him. But at this point... At this point, everybody around him can hit. the The big game where they scored seventeen against the Cubs. I mean, the the was it the five, six, seven hitters, just killed in that game. Uh, Manny Pena gets the the grand slam, and then another home run after that. Two home runs as well from Luis Urias. Yeah, the that middle part of that order came through big for the Brewers in those games. And Yelich, over the last thirty days, is batting 222. Uh so it's not fantastic. He hit better in that last series. So you, you hope maybe this is the point where he turns it around. If I say the, next, the last 15 games and I start looking for where is he on here. Give me one second here as I try to pull these all up too. But I'm trying to look through just everybody in just the last 15 days. Uh, we're still not seeing big numbers out of him. But it's just he's got to start finding a way to turn some of this around and finding ways to um just get on base and feel more comfortable and more confident with what he's got. So either way you would love to start seeing Christian Yelich hitting a bit, bit better than what he has. I just think he hasn't had the numbers over the last 15 days either to even qualify, I guess. He does have yeah, I mean he's got 15 strikeouts in the last 30 days, yeah, uh walked four times. He's got 12 hits. So he's got more strikeouts than hits. So yeah, it's just something where you get you start getting a little concerned about it. You'd really like to see Yellich pull through because if he could really get hot again with the roster that's around him right now, this might be the best team in baseball. So that's that's the biggest thing waiting for us here. The starting pitching has been just lights out, just incredible. It's, it's ridiculous to think about how good this pitching has been for this team this year. The good thing is coming up in the Cardinals where I think if any Brewers fan, if you're looking at this now, you say, just the Cardinals always kind of scare you. They're a bugaboo. You know, they're just they're one of those teams that no matter how good your team has been, it's going to be that that feeling that they're the one that's going to just mess you up somehow. They're going to ruin something for you here. Uh, just make it... They're going to they're gonna end your season somehow. You just get that feeling when you start playing the Cardinals. And it's just from just years of it happening to you. Uh, they've definitely been able to put together good teams and you've had the inability to have the consistency they had because you know they make a lot more money than you but this team looks really good i think this team can continue to to put forward and beat the cardinals here the best part is it'll be burns coming up on tuesday against wainwright and that's that's what you want i mean that's a pitching matchup i'll tell you that uh that's that's gonna be an incredible one to watch now 345 tomorrow or today depending when you're listening to this um you're not going to listen to it on Monday, I guess. But then on Wednesday on the 18th, Freddie Peralta against uh, Flattery. And then Woodruff to end off the series. So you get the th- the big three right in a row to play the Cardinals here. So you just need to find a way to put up some runs. You can get three runs on the board. You got a real chance of winning these ones. Uh, Cardinals got a couple hitters, but they don't have the up and down the lineup that, uh, that the Brewers have. So you're hoping you can get the you know bat on ball and just driving some runs and start making something happen and uh, keep the Cardinals from really getting after you uh, by by putting things together and lining up a couple hits in a row, have a, one or two big innings. So yeah, I really think that the Brewers have a good chance of taking this series from the Cardinals and I'm trying not to just be a, you know <laughs> somebody who's just uh, Pollyanna about this. I don't I don't want to have anything like that. I, I think that the Brewers just are the better team. I mean it's not a mistake that they're so far ahead of the the Cardinals right now if they can win these three if they could sweep them. I mean right now the Brewers are 10 games ahead of the Cardinals and 8 games ahead of Cincinnati. If somehow they could sweep the Cardinals going 13 up on the Cardinals with about a month to go. I mean well over a little more over a month, month and a half or whatever to go, that would be that would be huge. I mean that would be incredible to be able to do something like that. So that's that would definitely be the hope. Still, if you get two out of three here playing in St. Louis at the end of a very long road trip, a uh, 10-game road trip, that would be great to be able to come home, get the Nats, and then the Reds at home for the, I believe, I'm looking ahead again, yeah, for the last series against the Reds, you get the Reds at home, which normally would feel good, but this season the Brewers win at the Great American Ballpark and lose at AmFam Clam when they're playing the Reds, so... Hopefully the Brewers can put together a good winning stretch here against, you know, two division opponents in the next two weeks here, starting this Tuesday against uh, St. Louis and next Tuesday against uh, Cincinnati, and then there's, you know, Nationals and then finishing off, you know, like I said with the Twins and Giants for the rest of the month. So, bats are really heating up and the pitching is staying strong. The Brewers have just an incredibly good month here uh, in August so far. Uh, following up it was a great uh, July a great great July Uh, took six let's see they've taken eight of their last nine against the Pirates Uh, won a series against the White Sox won a series against the Braves then you know only series we've lost in quite a long time is the Giants series I'm trying to even look when was the last time they lost one before that I guess it's uh getting swept by the Royals of course you know <laughs> cuz that's what we do when we play Kansas City uh lose all four games against the Royals this year but before that yeah swept the Reds in Cincinnati so yeah it's going to be it'll be interesting to see how this goes forward i'm very excited about what this looks like and keeping Milwaukee up and and away from some of these other teams and getting into the playoffs and getting ready for all of that that all being said that's basically where we are this week. Um, I'm sorry that we didn't didn't have Aaron for you this week. Hopefully we have him back. I can't remember if I've confirmed that he's here next week. Otherwise, we'll, we'll look to see if somebody else can join us. Maybe we'll see if somebody else can join us, talk Packers anyhow. But uh, getting into that second game of the preseason where maybe see a little bit more time from the starters or in the Packers case, any time from your starters. It'll be interesting to look forward to that. Uh, more games with the Brewers, obviously, seeing if they can take out the Cardinals and Nationals before we meet again here. And uh, hopefully we can have a little bit more Badgers football news for you as we get to rolling through the season. But thank you again for joining us. It's a little bit of a short week here as I'm just giving you kind of the bare bones, just kind of people we, we really liked here. I'm not going to get too deep into weird feelings about how, how happy we are with play calling or situational things because it was a preseason game and then we've got the Brewers and we don't even have like a, a badger game to talk about yet but it's getting there uh, we're pulling through this and we're going to have real football to talk about very soon so thank you for sticking with us t- and listening to us this week again um, again like I've told you at the beginning of the show you can follow the show at Pod. you can follow me at not so humble host and you can follow Aaron at cheddar talk and remember of course that whether you are on the town or on the go It is always on Wisconsin. This has been the Scotty Johnny Podcast. Remember to find the boys on Twitter at Johnny one or online at ScottyJohnny.com. Thanks for listening, and on Wisconsin.